Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. woman with the issue of blood teaches us some really powerful, powerful lessons. One is that she chooses to put a demand on the presence of God. That she put a demand on the anointing and you can put a demand on the anointing today. You can leave here and everything be exactly the same. It can just be another Sunday or you can get your miracle. 2,000 years ago, no one questioned his ability to heal. They questioned his ability to save. 2,000 years later, none of you questioned his ability to save, but you questioned his ability to heal. God still heals. We serve a God that does miracles. We serve a God that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we may ask. Put a demand on the anointing today. And ask yourself the question, what would you be willing to do to get to Jesus? Welcome to part two of The Chosen. My name is Andrew, one of the servant leaders here today. And maybe you came, maybe, you, maybe you've heard of our Chosen series before. Maybe you were here last week or maybe even last year and you came with an expectation. You had to come back. Maybe you brought someone with you. Maybe you're the one that they brought. It's your first time coming to see this. Maybe you walked in here and you have no idea what you walked into. But over the next few moments, we're going to dig into a miraculous story that demonstrates Jesus' power in a mighty way. But before we start, I, I have to um, just say, I never wanna take for granted the opportunity to preach the word at any podium, but especially this one, uh, the one that belongs to our pastors, Jonathan and Joanne Brozazog, who are the visionaries, the anointing on them to lead our church. Come on, they're traveling and ministering this week and I just wanna honor them don't you love your pastors? And just thankful for everything they've done. And I just sat backstage watching a little bit of service to worship and everything and, and all of that and just realizing, being on a journey here for such a long time, how cool this church is. This church is like really cool. God is doing some awesome, awesome things. So I'm grateful for that. But you ready to jump into this today? All right, I want you to turn with me to... Mark chapter 5. And as you're turning there, John was mentioning Easter at creativechurch.com. Again, if, even if it's your 
regular service that you go to, please go on there and register for the service that you and your family are coming to because um, we, we don't want to overload parking and kids in any one service um, because there's a lot of people coming those days. So pick which service. That'll help the team plan and prepare. You can even do that right now. And then the next Wednesday, the very next Wednesday, is actually one of the biggest outreach events we have for our youth ministry. It's glowchella.com is happening. And um, we, we've been talking to the teenagers. I mean, this, this event is huge. It's a big glow-in-the-dark party with music and prizes and food and all that kind of stuff. But we've been telling them that beyond all of that, the main reason for this event, why it's a glow-in-the-dark theme and all that, is because we are the ones that God uses to shine a light in darkness. And this is the night where a lot of unchurched and, and non-Christian teenagers come and visit and hang out. We get the opportunity to preach the gospel message to them in a fun way. And last year, hundreds of teens were down the altar at Glochella, giving their life to Jesus. So if you know teenagers, you have teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, we will see them there. Glochella.com for tickets. And it's also on our event page. But Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Let's pray. Lord, we seek your voice today. Whatever it is that anyone has brought in here today, in person, at our Spring Lake Park campus, watching online, Whatever need, whatever unanswered question or unresolved burden, we're asking you to show up today and allow me to just echo only what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. As we saw last week in part one, and if, if you missed it, go online and catch that service. But it is possible that we can come to the crowd of church. We can be in the crowd, close to Jesus, in proximity, brushing up shoulders with the healer and still walk away unhealed. We can be part of the, the crowd that is there and healing doesn't ever touch our life. We're right next to the healer. But there was that woman with the issue of blood last week who came with a different kind of faith than everybody else that was around him. And this story of Jairus is similar. Jairus is desperate. He came among other people, but his faith level was a little bit different where he didn't just get close to him, he got in his presence. He had a desperation and an expectation. And they say expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. So let's take a look at this story from his eyes.
Shalom, Rabbi. This is him. Shalom, Yusuf. I know you. Do you? Stand with me. I have heard and I have read. I have read accounts from... from someone I trust. You do miracles, right? You are a healer? Of more than just physical maladies, yes. Please. My daughter is dying. I'm so sorry. But come. Come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. You've never met me, yet you have this much faith that I can heal your daughter. Who you? Please. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And Jairus was here taking a big risk because it was urgent. He knew that if he had left his house, left his daughter, came to find Jesus and went back, that in that time frame, there's a chance that he would potentially lose his daughter. In fact, Matthew recounts the same story and he implies that Jairus may have even known that his daughter might have already been dead by now. So his faith went from just believing for a healing, which we've seen before, to believing for resurrection. In his deepest, darkest moment of his life, when all hope seems lost, he knew that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And he's a church leader. What happens when the minister needs ministry? When the medic needs the medicine? When the encourager needs encouragement? When the ed faith educator now needs a brand new education in faith? The enlightened one, which is what the name Jairus means, enlightened by God. What happens when the enlightened one needs a new enlightenment? of all the church that he knew, all the scripture he could quote, all the religious protocol that he knew about, the traditions and the rituals that he knew or didn't know, he did know this. He knew that prayer cannot be plan B. 
in our situations. He knew that getting a hold of God in person could not be last resort. This is actually all he had. All he had. And sometimes we do everything else before we go to God. Everything else before we go and try to get a hold of the personal Jesus. And, and Jairus here knew. He knew enough church that he realized church can save him. Religion can save him. Stories, the building couldn't save him and his daughter in this season. This moment, he needed to go directly to Jesus. like the woman with the issue of blood as we referenced last week this miracle when Jesus and Jairus were on their way to heal his daughter on the pathway they intersected with another miracle that was needed another woman that had this issue that needed a healing in this divine moment this divine intersection and even though time was of the essence and they were supposed to get to Jairus daughter and Jesus knew that he he still stopped for a moment and healed another woman on the way teaching us a valuable lesson that we shouldn't just be on our way to minister we should minister on our way that we can't just be like, one day I'll be ready. One day I can volunteer. One day I can give. One day I can be a blessing to people. One day I'll use what God's given me to minister to people. One day I'll be ready and right and everything will be ready to go and I can get involved and I can be a part of helping people, loving people, praying for people, helping bring healing, helping shine a light into darkness. No, don't just wait for it and, and, and get ready to minister. Minister on the way. Any chance you get, any opportunity you get, God will use you. God can use you. Verse 25, this woman who had been there was subject to bleeding for 12 years. Somebody say 12 years. That's a long time. That's a long time to be waiting for something that you have no idea how it's ever going to get healed. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of things getting better, it got worse. And pain is sometimes what brings us to God. And there's two kinds of people represented in this story. There's the crowd that are near him, and then there's the ones that are in his presence. I don't know if you've ever experienced it like I have, to be in church and to go to church often. And, and I believe in him, and I believe he's here, and I believe he's real, and I believe in his power. And I know I'm close. I know I'm in his house. I know I'm among his people. and I know he's here, but I'm near. I'm in proximity, but I'm not in his presence. And I can walk out of one service with my sickness still intact, and the person next to me can walk out with the healing. And I, and I don't know if anybody's ever felt this. Why? How come they got 
What did they get access to that I didn't get access to today? What, well, we were in the same place. There was a crowd around that was in the same place that were all touching Jesus. They were all in the right place, but they weren't in his presence the way that she was, the way that Jairus is. And she came up in the midst of the crowd, everyone pressing against Jesus, and she came up and touched the hem of his garment and immediately felt the healing happen. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from all your suffering. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long, we can take her. She is clean. <laughs> you have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer, but I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. I'm so glad that we found each other. Please, I promise I will speak to all of you soon. And my students and I will care for your needs. But right now, there's something very important that I must do. And I kindly ask you to let me go so I can take care of this urgent issue. I promise. I will see you, but right now is not possible. Thank you for your understanding. While this daughter was receiving her miracle, there's still another daughter on the other side of town that was waiting for hers, lying on her deathbed, feeling like all hope is gone. And while some of us are trying to resolve in ourselves that, that reach out and touch type of faith, there's still some of us that can't even do that. Can't even reach out and touch. Doesn't have the ability anymore. Maybe someone in your family is praying for you, reaching out and touching on your behalf, trying to get Jesus in your life. But you're sleeping. 
You feel like you're not alive to this world anymore. Your dream is dead. Your future is dead. Your hope is dead. And Jesus is on his way to touch you too. And I don't know about you, but I know that that just one touch, just one touch will be all. If, if, if it's Jesus, just one touch is all it takes. One encounter, one moment with the God who is alive, the creator of the universe who loves us, one touch one encounter in just a moment can turn everything around. And although it took a moment, it, it kind of took one moment. This miracle moment here was actually 12 years in the making. She had been sick for 12 years and, and the young girl was 12 years old, according to the Bible. And, and so while she was born, this woman became sick. And she had waited 12 years and spent all she had at her last resort. And, and this girl over here had reached the epitome of sickness and is about to die. And 12 years in the making, while Jesus is on his way to this miracle, intersects with this miracle. I want to tell you that maybe you're over here, this part of the room, and you need a physical miracle. But somebody over here on this side, they need a financial miracle. Somebody watching at our Spring Lake Park campus... They need a blessing for a loved one to come back to the Lord. Someone else in the back there needs something else. And God has brought you here. Maybe it's been a long time and you felt like giving up, but God has brought you here at an intersection where he's the healer and he's going to heal all in one moment. Because he's able. Crossing paths with a healer. And you can either choose to be a part of the crowd pressed up against Jesus all around or you can choose to touch him before this story this woman was just a woman with issues maybe some of you have been labeled that before and this woman has issues this dude over here he just got a lot of issues I don't want to deal with their issues anymore. It's just a person with a lot of issues. And we've walked around with a lot of issues. But Jesus, at the end of the story, called her daughter because he wants to move you from a condition to a position in his family. That's his heart. doesn't matter what anybody else says about your issues anymore. God is calling you son, daughter, come home. You're mine. You're part of my family. God is speaking. We can either choose to follow what the crowd is going to say and do or do what God is saying. But when they finally got to Jairus' house after this, they came out and told Jairus, sorry, you missed it. Your daughter's dead already. Verse 39, Jesus went in and said, why all this commotion and, and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they all laughed at him. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you are. You're crazy. And after he put them all out, sometimes you got to put the crowd out. Sometimes you got to shut them out. The noise of the people. Here, here's the crowd again getting in the way with their little faith. The mourners that were sometimes even hired at these funerals to cause a commotion. The crowd will often agree with your negativity. The crowd will often sing about depression, write about depression, agree with your depression, 
speak out about how this generation is depressed, how young people are, are too far away to be rescued by God. They're never turning to God. Don't surround yourself with people who will agree with your failures, with your anxiety, with your negativity, who agree with you to quit, to throw in the towel. It's over. You got to shut those people out. Even Jesus, he didn't even bring all 12 disciples in Jairus' house. He only brought Peter, James, and John, the Bible says. Sometimes you only got to surround yourself with a small group. Not everybody who's writing at you and commenting on your page and saying what, what they think and what they would do and, and why do you keep trusting in this God and, and what's going to happen and yeah, the world is crazy and yeah, this is all messed up. You need a couple of people around you who have faith to surround you and walk into the room with you and believe God for the unbelievable. You need to bring those people in, the people that can really touch the Lord and they're about to wake up this girl. 12 years old, they say that Generation Z, youth and young adults of today, they're the least Christian and least churched generation in history. Some churches have even given up on trying to reach them. Call the corner, time of death, somewhere around 2020 during that pandemic. I don't know if any parents here, educators here know exactly what I'm talking about. We tried. We tried to resuscitate them, but that thing knocked them out. Order some flowers. Make the funeral arrangements. Somebody bake a casserole, get it over to Jairus' house. We're here to mourn now. It's over. It's over. Bring, bring the mourners to the house of the religious. People are at the house of the religious right now saying it's over. It's a lost cause. This generation, your children, my children, it's a lost cause. This nation, it is, it is a lost cause. Say your goodbyes. But Jesus sent me here to tell you what he's been trying to prophesy to this generation for centuries. They are not dead. They are asleep. Now, I've been to the Young and Creative Conference. I've been to Wednesday night youth service at this church. I've been with the Gen Z creative interns who are preaching the gospel, leading worship, evangelizing their friends and their family, bringing to them the house of God, rising up as a generation. It might look to you like there's no way that revival and life can come back to that generation, but they are not dead. They are sleeping, and their eyes are starting to twitch a little bit, and they're starting to yawn and stretch. A little movement is coming up, and they're rising up. It might look dead to you. Your dream, that person, that loved one, even your own spirit might feel dead to you. Your hope is dead. Your purpose is dead. But Jesus is about to walk into the room. Guy indeed came to the right man. Well, between you and her, it's quite a big day of faith. It's just up ahead. Mm. Do you hear that? No. What is this? Jairus, while you were gone. No. Why do I hear mourners and flutes? I said not to do that. She Your was sick. Your daughter passed away. 
We had to make arrangements quickly. No! No! I went to find the teacher! He was going to heal her! I know who you are. Let's not trouble him anymore. Michal is with Nili's body. No! No! I was kidding, Jesus! I went as fast as I could. Do not be afraid. Only believe. She will be well. Jairus. Jairus. Let's go in. Please stay here. We will... She will be well. All of you, stop it! I said stop. What are you doing? There's a girl. She's dead. Go away. For she isn't dead, but sleeping. <laughs> What is all this laughing? He said, she's only asleep. What a cruel thing to say. Do you know who you're talking to? If you were a member of the family, I would invite you in to see just how dead she is. What are you, a necromancer? Shame on you for saying such a ridiculous thing. Everyone out. You heard him. Boys, take everyone outside. Right. We were paid to play. Ah. You listen to me right now. Come, let's give them a moment. Michal. Where were you? I was finding this mess. She is dead and you were gone. Why would you just leave us? Trust me. Please trust me and trust him. What? For what? Please. Please. I know. I know. No. <laughs>
on, lift your hands all over the place if you believe it. Come on, sing. You guys believe that this morning? You guys believe that this is a house of miracles? The Word of God says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I see a generation here that is rising, that is waking up, that is on fire for God. I see a generation that's going to change the world today. Come on, let's give it up for our teens and our young adults. You know, maybe you're here today, we're going to pray, but maybe you're here and you say, uh, maybe you're Jairus. Maybe you're that parent, that teacher, that leader, that, that was supposed to be responsible for the next generation. You, you, and you feel like you might have lost them. You feel like we've lost, they're out of touch, they're out of control, and I don't know how they're going to get a miracle, and, and it looks like all hope is gone. It looks like it's impossible. It looks like it's not going to work, and, and maybe you're here, and you're that gyrus, and, and I came to tell you today, even if it seems impossible, Jesus has just walked into the room, and I want to tell you, parents, I, I think it's time that we start taking those bed sheets and prophesying over them, even when your kids aren't home and just saying, these could cover their possibilities, these could cover their purpose and their potential, or it could uncover. Take authority over nightmares. Take authority over what Satan is trying to do to them. Take authority over the anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts that typically start to swirl up when they're alone in their bedroom. And they are dying. But you're the voice, the prophetic voice, like Jairus, speaking, reaching out to Jesus. If you would come, Lord, if you would come, she would live. Maybe you're here today and you're that child. And you feel like, I used to have joy and I, I used to have hope when I was a kid, when I was little. But somewhere along the line, no matter what age you are, somewhere along the line, I feel like I've lost it. I don't feel God anymore. Was that just my imagination that God even exists? I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I don't even know if this life is worth living anymore. I'm so far from it. I don't feel it. I'm, I'm trying. I'm here. But I feel like I've, I've lost it. I feel like all hope is gone. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has just walked into the room. Maybe for you it's been a dream something God spoke maybe 12 years ago, and Satan's trying to tell you that hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. That healing's not coming. That loved one is not coming back to the Lord. That business that he spoke to you about is never going to happen. For some of you, it's a ministry calling. God called you into ministry a long time ago, and you've been running for 12 years, and God's voice has chased you down to Creative Church this morning because his love is relentless. And Jesus has just walked into the room. Here, online at Spring Lake Park, Jesus has just walked into the room. Arise, 
And when a generation like this catches on fire, the Bible says news about this spread around. Even though he told them, don't worry, don't tell anybody, news just spread around because you can't help it. Because when young people start worshiping God, I was in kids ministry the other week, and these kids, elementary age, was calling on the Holy Spirit to come fill their life. You can't fake that. We adults can fake it. But when real revival hits this generation, you can't fake that. News is going to spread. Take authority. There's a resurrection coming today. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.